Good evening from Southeast Asia. This will be episode number 23, volume number 23 of the Southeast Asia. I, I want so badly to say alien because we've been making alien podcasts for years. It, it, it's, it's like muscle memory now. <laughs> aliens, aliens, aliens. <laughs> oh, there are no aliens in here. Uh, this is episode or volume 23 of the Southeast Asian Chronicle podcast things designed to help you figure out if you want to move to Southeast Asia now or in the future. Doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> go move whenever you want. Doesn't matter. So if you don't have any plans to go right now, just file this away. This Everything that you're learning in this series translates in well, in direct or indirect ways to almost any third world country on earth, including America, which is now a third world country, as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay, so all tapes are copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. You see them hosted somewhere else. Tell us. We'll sue them. We've done it before. We'll send you a third of the net. Done deal. We'll do it. Really. Done it before. We like it. Tired of thieves. Okay. Um, last time, 22, we left you off. We were in a five-story shop house. Big double shop house. Really, really kind of a magnificent building. And we were being run out due to Thai street sellers and their noise. Uh, they were, I got pictures of them somewhere. They, uh, a Thai national, they'll get themselves a pickup and they'll get the biggest loudspeakers they can possibly find and mount on the roof with a, uh, a player and a microphone in the cab. And they'll put a person or two in the back, fill it full of oranges, and then they drive around looking for customers. Uh, the deals aren't usually too good. You know, the fruit isn't usually too good, but, you know, it's Thailand. There is no kind of welfare, so it's either work or starve. Kind of a nice system, you know, really unusual in the Western world. So they work. Okay, so I respect them for that. They work. They try. Um... They could do this work within the norms of polite society, but they won't because they're not polite. So they turn those loudspeakers up just to the point of just blasting. Just, I, I swear to God, they break glass. And they drive around and they'll, they'll loop some ridiculous recording. Sometimes it's, it's a recording of themselves laughing, you know. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, we all want to hear that. You can hear it for blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. Okay. Um, in the old days, you just waited because in a little while, a few minutes, whatever, they were gone, passed on through. Um, in the last five years, um, waiting doesn't help because there are so many of them that um, if one goes away, you got 15 more making the same racket. 
Now, I don't know, there's only one possible way any of them make any money, that's if they steal the product. Because they get very few buyers, and what they do buy is, you know, a few bot worth, and they'll even bicker, barter that down, which, which is often turns into bickering. Um, so I don't know how they're paying for gas or their, or their truck payments or whatever. I don't know how they're doing it. I've known a number of them personally. They weren't doing it. They weren't making it. They would come up with a little bit of money somewhere. Maybe they went to work in a real job somewhere and they'd get a little bit of money and then they'd go back to this street selling thing drive around, drive around, drive around, not sell hardly anything. And then uh, pretty soon they didn't have any more money for gas and they had to go back to work at a real job. So I, I don't know what the attraction is with this. It's, it's, it's like gambling, you know, I guess they just, they've got the idea. It's easy money. They, all they got to do is drive around, look at the sights, you know, say stupid things over the loudspeaker, piss people off and uh, make a lot of money, right? No, no, they don't. They don't. But they can't let go of it. They won't let go of it. There's more and more every year. There's more and more and more and more and more. Okay, so we were being driven out, or, or technically, I suppose, had been driven out uh, by that crowd. Took them to the police. Police told them to fuck off, stop. Police said they didn't like it either. And they stopped for, no, they didn't stop. They turned it down, you know, like from a 10 to an 8 for about three days, and then it went right back up to a 10. Um, so it became unlivable for really for anybody in that, in that, wherever they do this, it's unlivable. Um, we had made the decision to go. <sighs> Pretty unbelievable. Um, another problem had been rearing its ugly head. And that was that we had a space between our, our shop houses were in a row of shop houses that went the entire length of the soy. Um, there was a space between our shop house shop and the street. Now, three feet of that was public. That was sidewalk. The rest of it was ours. When I leased the place, um, I grilled the Chinese <coughs> landlady, very, very specifically brought in a translator the whole bit. We had uh, at least uh, Chinese and, and English. And I grilled them, you know, is that our space? Yes, no question, that's our space. Well, why isn't it in the lease? Well, oh, I must have forgot it. Oh, okay, here, I'll, I'll put it in. So. Uh, she and her, and her family um, put in a clause in the lease. That, that whole area there was ours. Okay, done deal. We're happy. Okay, rented the place. Paid a huge amount of money for it to get into it. At least the rent was cheap, but to get into it, deposits and things like that was huge, huge amount of money. And then we had to refurbish the entire thing. We put probably, God, I don't even know, probably two or 300,000 baht into just making it livable, painting, you know, cleaning, fixing broken toilets, which was most of them, and fixing air conditioners, which was most of them. We found that some of the air conditioners, um, they didn't work because 
the compressors were gone, all the copper tubing was gone, all the wiring was gone, all the way through the wall, the wiring was gone, had been sold for the copper. You know, it was really, really fun, you know. Anyway, we fixed it all, fixed it all, brought it completely up to specs. And we had the two shops that we rented out in front. We rented space for these two big shops. It was two restaurants, actually. Um, and then girlfriend had her two shops in front. So there's four shops in front. And all the way down the soy, in front of all the shop houses, they had the same arrangement. Um, the One of the shops in front of our place had been there, I think, nine years or more. Maybe more, I'm not sure, at least nine years. Uh, long established, you know. This is, this is how they do things in Thailand. This is what they do. This is, this is how things work. And we went along that way for a year and a half. Didn't have any trouble. Everything was fine. But little by little by little, we started getting uh, illegal parkers who would come in. Now, now, these restaurants out in front, they were... They would be torn down to bare nothing. They were loaded onto carts, and the carts were taken to the back of the building and, and locked up every day, every night when they were done. And then they come out, uh, you know, whatever time, let's see, three, four, probably four-ish or so in the afternoon. And they would unpack all the carts, and, you know, we kept saying, why don't you, you know, build a little shed out there? Oh, no, this is how we do it in Thailand. Okay. Okie dokie, you just carry on. And increasingly what happened was they would come to set up their shops all the way up and down the whole soy. And they would find some car parked in there in the spot where their, where their restaurant was, right in the middle of their restaurant, outdoor restaurant. Um, and they'd go looking for the people, go door to door, knocking, knocking, knocking. Is that your car? Is that your SUV? Uh, in probably 80% of the cases, they found the people. They were almost always... Hi-so, H-I-S-O, you know, arrogant, rich pieces of shit from Bangkok. And they were down shopping and they thought, oh, that's just a parking lot, you know. It's right in front of your home. You can't park your own cars there, but we can because we're special because we're from Bangkok. Okay, that's how that went. Uh, in 20% of the cases, they never did find the owners of the offending vehicles and they couldn't open the restaurant. They lost a whole day of revenue because they couldn't open the restaurant. So we tried putting signs, notes on the, on the cars and stuff like that. You know, next time we tow you stuff like that. We had some really, really outrageous fights with them out in front there because they just thought that was their God given right to park in front of everybody else's home because the shop house is a home. Living quarters are upstairs, shops are downstairs. That's how they work. Um, but they're so special. They're so special. Kind of remind you of uh, San Francisco, you know, or something like that. Um, and so it got to the point where we said, okay, that's, that's, uh, that's enough. Everybody's losing too much revenue. The shops uh, can't open reliably. And uh, we started trying to get them towed. We put up the signs. And started making the calls. Coming, okay, we got two. We got two tonight. Come and get them towed. And they would the, the the towers 
the wreckers would hem-haw around, well, I didn't know, we were very busy, I don't know if we can make it, and, and we fought that for weeks. And finally drilled down to the point where they said, no, we can't tow there. I said, why? What's the problem? Because you are not property owner. You are only the lessor. Wait, lessee, lessee. <laughs> um, so we, you, you can't sign for a tow ticket, only the owner can. Okay, watch this. Fools, watch this. And I went to the Chinese lady, the owner, um, and said, okay, we're going to have to start calling you to give tow authorizations for these cars because we can't open our shops in front. Nobody can. And she looked at the ground, you know. Oh, well, you know, that's not really your area. Like, what, 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 what do you mean it's not my area? I'm paying for it every month. It's in the lease. What do you mean it's not my area? Well, no, I just said that because I wanted you to move in. And finally, it turned out, we dragged more and more and more out of her. It turned out that she had moved out of the shop house, partly because of that reason, uh, like 10 years before. Uh, and she could never find a way to control it. So she had just scammed us, just lied, fucked us. Just fucked us. So night after night after night, my girlfriend sat there and watched the, the SUVs come and go and park in front of the shop. Nobody could open the restaurants. Um, we got to the point of, we took a bunch of uh, flower planters and we made a perimeter of them around this whole area. It's fairly large. Uh, so that you could walk through, you could ride a bike through, but you couldn't get a car through. Um, and we'd fill them full of dirt, you know, they're quite heavy, couldn't be moved. And one day, an old man came Never seen him before. Never heard of him. Old time man. Really cranky piece of shit. And he started turning over. He, he just, he never said anything to anybody. He just walked up and started turning over these flower planters, turning them over and trying to roll them out of the way so that cars could drive through there. And, uh, I didn't happen to be there at that moment. Girlfriend was and she went off on him. She wanted to fight him. She should have. Could have easily taken him. And he's ranting and screaming that it's illegal to block this area off, even though, you know, everybody in Thailand does it. He just took issue with this, and, and we couldn't get him to say who he was or why he thought he had the authority to do this. We called the, uh, the owner, and she said, oh, that guy. That's another reason I left that shop house. Turned out this guy had owned this entire uh, stretch of shop houses back like 30 years ago. And he had sold them like 25 years ago. He had no claim to them whatsoever, but he lived in the area and he still thought he was the boss of all these shop houses. And so he just went through periodically and raised hell, told people to do this, do that, fix this. Now you got to paint this. 
and people told him to fuck off. And uh, and we did, also. But it got but it got really 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 heated. Um, you know, to the point of staying up all night down there by the front, waiting for him to come and throw boulders through the window and shit like that. Now that's ties. That's a lot of ties are like that, and a lot of Southeast Asians doesn't matter the country. They're irrational, illogical, dare I say it, stupid. Uh, this guy wasn't a drunk, but he acted like he was a lifelong drunk. If you know a lifelong drunk and how they act, especially when they've had a few, this is what this guy acted like, and this is what a lot of older ties act like. Um... So that was, uh, you know, we, we were probably 100% moving anyway, but that capped it. We're done. So we went and got a hotel. And we, uh, as much as I hate him, we needed a place pretty quickly. I didn't want to stay in a hotel. I had a lot of work to do, a lot of computer work to do. I was uh, doing photography pretty heavily. I had stuff to do. And uh girlfriend wanted to get her shops going again, stuff like that. Uh, we had to make the other two restaurants out there vacate. They didn't like that, especially the one that had been there nine years. Um, so we're in a hotel thinking, what in the hell? What? And, and I, at this time, I'm starting to think, well, you know, maybe I just had enough of Thailand. Maybe, maybe that's just enough. You know, really, this is just getting ridiculous. Um... But I saw an ad for a realtor, real estate agent in this town. Uh, he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of places for rent, commercial and homes and condos and you name it. And I thought, oh God, oh God, I don't want to deal with another agent. God almighty, no. Uh, I had not had good luck with him in the U.S. either. Uh, we had one in the U.S. where we rented a place, paid the agent, and then like four months later, the uh, the owner came and, and said, look, you know, I, I've been really patient with you, but, uh, you know, you really got to pay the rent. We're like, what do you mean, pay the rent? What are you talking about? And it just so happened, I just, there was a stack of papers right there on the counter where we were talking, uh, and among them were the rent receipts. And I showed him, and she's like, what? What is this? She had never received rent from day one from this agent, the California agent. So, you know, realtors and real estate agents were kind of stuck in my craw from day one anyway. I had so much trouble with in the U.S. In the U.S., I would say 80% of them were shit. Unprofessional scammer pieces of shit. 20% were okay. In Southeast Asia, I would say 100% are shit. 100%. Anyway, we saw this ad and I thought, okay, you know, I used to be a landlord. I, I, you know, I can kind of sort of take care of myself, even though we're in Southeast Asia, you know. Let's see what they've got. Let's just see what they've got. Maybe if they show us something really nice. Um, that we like, you know, we can find a way to get a hold of the owner and circumvent this agent. 
Okay, so that was the plan. So they took us around for a few days or a week. Look at this, look at this, look at this, you know, and everything was just not workable at all. And finally, they took us to a place way outside of town, way the hell out in the boondocks. And it was a beautiful one, two, three, four bedroom. Let's see, no, 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 wait. One, two, three, four bedroom, I can't remember. Home. Nice home. Uh, it was at the end of a private drive. And it had its own pool, nice pool, clean, everything was in good shape, it looked like. And price was way too high, it was absurdly high. But I liked the place because I thought, man, this might be quiet. It had a huge concrete wall all the way around it, you know, old Spanish style almost. Um, so it was, it was its own little complex. And they're at the end of the private drive, nobody around it. And I thought, man, I need to get a lot of work done. You know, I, I got like two years of computer work to do and I need peace and quiet and I can't take any more problems because I'm just fed up, fed up with the shit. And so we went in and we met, we made an appointment, owner showed up, went in, talked to him, talked to him for Half an hour, I suppose, probably. What about this? What about this? What about this? And finally, I said, well, I don't know. I think we can probably stay here. You, you want to rent this to us? <laughs> and the guy called me by name and he said, well, you think you'll be happy here? And I thought, well, how do you know my name? Who, who, who are you? And I looked closely. And it was a guy with, uh, I don't know, several months worth of scraggly beard growth. Old looking guy. But I recognized one of his facial mannerisms. Barely. I, I said, Jay? Yeah, how you doing? Sticks his hand out, you know, like we're old friends. No, we're old enemies, but he's too fucking stupid to figure that out. And I almost just walked out. I thought, oh, geez, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Not, not this goddamn oaf again. Not this fucking piece of shit again. Ah, oh, geez. But. I got the agent aside and I said, look, how often are we going to have to deal with this guy at all? And they said, well, no, never. You should never have to deal with him because your contract is going to be with us through the agent. You're going to pay the rent to us. You got any repairs? Uh, you come to us. We'll contact the owner. Owner takes care of it. Oh, God. And I thought, okay. Oh, God. Really lovely home, though. Exactly the kind of setup that I wanted. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll deal with the realtor. i just deal with the, with the agent. So we did the contract. Uh, I had to pay uh, first, last, and two months worth of deposit. Huge sum of money, far more than the place was worth. And uh, 
So we did it. Signed, sealed, consummated, as it were. And the move-in date was uh, a few days hence. And we were supposed to meet him, meet him there, meet Jay there on the on the move-in day. I don't know why the agent didn't want to show up. Uh, but I, I later pretty much found out. Um, so we're supposed to meet Jay there on, on our move-in day. So we got there in the afternoon. Door was open, walked in, car was there, walked around, couldn't find him. What the, what the heck? Walked into the master bedroom. And there he was, laying on the bed, pants down, pouring on the phone, beating his whacker. Mr. Sexpin. And he was all flustered, of course, and he, and he says something like, uh, oh, you came early. Well, we weren't early. We were like two hours late. But I almost said, yeah, looks like you did too, asshole. You know, almost said that. Contract is already signed at this point. Money's already delivered. And I thought, oh, son of a bitch. What, what the hell? kind of buffalo shit have we stepped in this time? Because it seemed like every time you dealt with anything rental anywhere in Southeast Asia, I don't care what country, even Philippines, you're going to step in buffalo shit. That's all there is to it. There's no avoiding it. I did find that I had less luck with the Farang owners or agents. Now, this real estate agency, they were based out of uh, Australia. Uh, there's a humongous website about, about how evil they are. And that website has cost them significant revenue. And that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Um, I had planned to do a paid advertising scheme on that website. Um, to really, really, really hurt them. But it turned out that the, the website kind of went viral on its own, just, just organic traffic. And uh, they became quite well known for their shit. So I didn't have to do it. So anyway, Jay gets up, pulls his pants up. And we go through the house, videotape, make sure everything's, as they say, everything's fine, kind of, sort of. Uh, it was a, it was a typical J house. Um, he had bought it for pennies, excuse me, because it had been run down and he's too stupid and cheap to fix anything. So he just cobbed everything together to try to get it to hold together long enough to get a tenant in there. And then he's out. He's done. Okay. So. We get through that bullshit. We start moving in. We had trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks of stuff. Uh, almost all of it had to go in the garage in the carport outside and get tarped over until we could figure out how to get rid of it, pretty much. Trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks. Endless convoys of trucks coming in. They're really big trucks, like five-ton trucks. They were just stupid because we had collected all this shit in the, in the shop house where we thought, I, I thought, well, I, maybe I'll stay in that shop house until I die, until those problems came up. 
Um, and then the problems with this house began to manifest themselves. I think the first thing we ran into was the snakes. Um, the place was infested with Malayan pit vipers. Couldn't figure out where the hell they were coming from because the whole place was walled. It was like a, I don't know, nine foot wall, 10 foot wall, maybe concrete all the way around sealed, no way under it, uh, all the way around the property sealed. But the snakes just kept showing up everywhere. Now go Google Malayan pit viper. Oh, they're lovely snakes. Um, they're one of the few vipers that don't let go after they bite. They just keep chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. You cut their head off, doesn't matter. And they're bad. You got, you might survive a bite depending on how much venom they've chewed into you. Um, a kid won't survive it. A cat won't survive it. A dog won't survive it. You might survive it. You've got about 20 minutes to get to a clinic with, that has the antivenom uh, before you have permanent damage to that area, usually a limb, you know, a leg or an arm. Uh, and, and, you know, you might survive, but you're going to have permanent damage. You might lose that leg or arm. Nasty snakes. And I got poking around, poking around, poking around, and I finally discovered that in the back, there was a, uh, a hole under the house. It was probably six or eight inches deep and probably 35 feet long. Went under the back concrete area. And we call the government, in Thailand, the government has uh, services, snake services that are really, really, really stinking good. It's one of the few things they do well. It's one of the very few things they do well. And so we called them hotline and they were there within minutes and they poked around. They have all kinds of cameras. They poke up in these holes and stuff. And they said, well, bad news, folks. Um, you got a major nest under your house. It's just, it's just loaded with with these snakes, just loaded, hundreds. We had a camera in there, they're striking on the cameras. And they had a bunch of stuff that they sprayed in there, like half of a 50 gallon drum of snake poison, I guess. Um, and they said, well, that, that's gonna knock down some of them, but, they, but it doesn't generally kill all of them. You know, the ones that are at the bottoms of the piles, they're probably not going to get poisoned. And so, you know, they're going to work their ways up through the piles of the snakes and then come out again. Okay, so called um, called the agent. And their attitude was, well, well, well can't, you, can't you just find a way to live with it? You know, we have snakes in Thailand, you know? Not like this, you don't. And so they called Jay. And Jay said, well, fix it and then give me the bill for it. Like, like Jay, we have 15 truckloads of shit here that we got tarped over all over the place outside. We're very, very busy trying to get rid of the stuff. We're very busy trying to get enough stuff into the house that we can live in the house. Uh, Jay, you need to deal with this. This is your problem. You, you should have figured this out long before you ever let anybody rent it. 
well, I'm, I'm just busy. I, I got this new girlfriend, you know. Uh, no, I, I can't help you. You just, you just got to fix it. And then you send me the bill. Okay. Jesus Christ. So I called in some Thai contractors who couldn't even dig a trench. I had to dig the trench for them, help them lay the concrete. We concreted over that whole 35-foot strip. Ah, jeez. So what happened was we sealed off, we hermetically sealed the whole area under that house. And none of them could get out. We, we made the ditch around so deep that they couldn't get under it. And they all died under there probably of starvation. And it stank for several months. Now, in the U.S., what would you do? You'd sue them. You'd have them in court. Hell, the government might have them in court. Not Southeast Asia. It's not going to happen. There's no recourse. There's no meaningful, effective recourse. So you muddle through this shit. Okay. It was right about in the middle of that that we noticed that uh, now in, in most Southeast Asia countries, everybody has a big water reserve tank. Could be fiberglass, could be stainless. They're huge, big tanks. Some of them are on the roof, some of them are just sitting on the ground, whatever. And the idea is that the water fails, the municipal water fails so often, like many times a week sometimes, um, that you better have a reserve tank so that when the, when the city water stops flowing, you still got water for cooking and showering and stuff like that. Now, those things are set up with automatic fillers. Uh, you got a pipe coming in from the city water, goes to the tank, has a float valve in the top of the tank. Uh, this was a, a, an especially big tank. It was, uh, I don't know, probably six foot diameter and probably nine feet tall, big tank. And I noticed one day as I walked by it that it was overflowing. I thought, oh, been there, done that. Let's see, uh, the check valves in these things, the, the float valve in the top of the tank. It's, it's like a toilet, like a toilet tank. Um, they get crusted up and they stop shutting off. And so they begin to just leak and leak and leak and leak and leak. Uh, the tiniest little flow can set up a pretty big uh, water bill. And they're, you got to replace them periodically. Um, most of them are made purposely so that you cannot open them up and like lap the surfaces, the valve surface to just get the crap out and get them working again. They're purposely set up so you can't do that. So you take them out. It takes five minutes to get them out. You know, you got to go up there on a ladder and you go on the top of the tank and uh, you take out the valve and you, and you go to the hardware store and you buy a kit. You know, it usually includes the valve and a float. Okay. Really easy. It's like $7. You know, it's not a big deal. And I had had to replace quite a few of them. You know, I'd been there nine or 10 years by then. And it's just a common thing you do. It's just part of living in Southeast Asia. You just do. Um, but I didn't have time. I was still dealing with these snakes and we're still trying to concrete over the big crack under there and stuff like that. And uh, I called the, uh, the agent, told him. They called Jay. Jay called me. 
And once again, just like the washing machine thing years and years and years before, Jay is, what did you do back there? Were you messing with that thing? Did you touch that thing? Why were you touching that thing? I said, Jay, I never once even had the remotest thought of opening up the top of that tank and crawling down in there just so I could play with that valve. You know, Jay, that's not something that normal people do. Well, I don't know. I think you did something to it, you know. And, and it, I came to realize, I, I never knew this before. I never suspected it. This is a Jewish thing. I didn't know anything about Jews. Didn't know anything. Nothing. Now I do. It's a Jewish thing. Oh, God. So... A day or two later, Jay showed up with a, a kit, went back there. He couldn't put it in, so I put it in. Water shut off. Everything's fine. And then he got the uh, got the water bill. And it was, uh, again, it should have been 150 baht for the month, something like that, for the water bill. Um, uh, that month, well, it had been leaking probably for, God knows, a year. You know, before we ever moved in there, we'd only been in there three or four days. And the water bill was, uh, I can't remember, it wasn't very high. It was a couple thousand baht, something like that. And he presents it to me and says, well, you got to pay this. I said, Jade, you know, this has been leaking not for three days. And even if it was only for three days, it wasn't our fault. Well, maybe you were messing with that valve. Maybe you did something to it. You know, I had the valve and I opened it up. I said, Jay, you can look right there. You can look. You can see the surfaces in there. They're all crusty with, with scale and, and crap and rust. And they've been that way for a year or maybe a lot longer. And so that was a big fight. And I refused to pay it. And uh, and it was a big fight. It was a big fight with, with Jay and with the agent. They thought I should pay it also. Jesus Christ. So we finally got the snakes plugged off and they're dying, stinking. And we didn't see any others that came from the back there. It turned out that the whole area was snaky as hell. And uh, the other types of snakes would come in pretty much nightly. Uh, try to get in the house. You had to keep the door that led out to the patio, to the pool. You had to keep that closed all the time. Snakes would be in the pool, swimming back and forth. It was just a snake heaven, that, that area. That, the whole neighborhood was just snake heaven. And, of course, nobody had told us. We asked around, and everybody said, yeah, yeah, this is where the snakes live, you know. Okay, so... As we're going along, we're finding that virtually nothing in the house works. Washing machine didn't work. Uh, oh, God. He he had taken out the perfectly good on-demand water heaters in each bathroom. And for God knows what reason, he replaced them with a huge water boiler, single unit thing that went in the back of the house. Uh, similar to what you have in America, the big old tank heaters, you know. This is an outdoor version. Huge, expensive, power-guzzling piece of shit that, that ran all the time. It heated the water all the time. 
And uh, shortly after we were in there, we kept wondering why we were getting all these white flakes out of every water faucet. Well, it turned out that he had that thing cranked up so that it was boiling all the time. It was boiling all the time. It didn't just heat the water. It was boiling 212 degrees all the time. And then that water would get turned on and it would shoot through the, the PVC. None of the PVC was designed for that. Uh, none of it was, was hot water approved. And so it was cooking the insides of these PVC pipes. And so all this white sludge shit was coming out. And it would try to come out the faucets and it couldn't because they had filters. And so you... Ah, geez. We argued about that endlessly, never did get it resolved. We turned it down to the point where it wasn't boiling anymore. Uh, and that helped, but the, the pipes were so damaged by that point that they probably are still today leaching the white flakes. Um, the next thing I think was that we went shopping one day. It had, it had a really nice uh, electric gate, huge. God, it was a massive gate in the front. And really heavy thing. And on a hot day, you couldn't touch it. It was so hot, you couldn't touch it. You have to have gloves or something. And girlfriend couldn't move it. It was so heavy and so massive. I don't know what it weighed, 1,000 pounds. I don't know. I could barely move it. I would have to put my foot up against the wall, get a hold of one of the wrought iron uprights and then pull with all my might to get that thing to roll. But anyway, it was electric. It's supposed to be, usually was. Um, so you click the clicker. He didn't have a clicker. We had to pay for that. That was a thousand bucks. <laughs> and uh, you click the clicker. You want to go to the store. You click the clicker. The gate opens. You drive through. You click it again. Gate closes. You go shopping. Okay, pretty simple deal. So one day we did that, went shopping, came back, motorbike. We had a trailer on the motorbike and it just loaded down hundreds of pounds of food, half of it perishable. And uh, click the clicker, nothing happened. Couldn't get in. We looked around. Oh, all the power in the whole neighborhood is out. Well, that was a couple of times a day, tie power, you know, a couple of times a day. No power. Usually it's back on five minutes, eight minutes, like that. Okay, this day, we sat out there in the baking sun. There's no shade out there. We sat out there on a motorbike for, as I recall, about two and a half hours. And all of our food melted and then went off. Gate wouldn't open. Power wouldn't come back on. In homes that have big, heavy gates like this, they're routinely set up in such a way that the motor that operates the gate is installed very close to the gate itself, usually on one side or the other. And when the power goes out, now these are a worm drive kind of a thing. You can't, if the power goes out, you can't manually open that gate. You can't, can't move. Um, the deal was that you had a little teeny tiny gate, maybe six inches, eight inches by eight inches like that, like a cat door. Okay. And that was down in the corner 
of the gate closest to the motor. The motor's on the inside of the gate. And this little cap door thing is in the gate. And all you do is you open that little gate. You gotta lay down there in the gutter with the snakes. And you stick an arm through. And then there's either a flip, you, a switch you can flip or a lever you can push or pull or a thing you can unscrew. Um, this one had a key hanging there on a little chain. And you insert this key into the motor to unlock the, what it does is it disengages the motor from the worm drive. And you just turn it, turn it, turn it. It backs the motor away from it. And then the gate will freewheel. You just close that little cat door thing and you get up and you open the gate. It takes two, three minutes. Anybody can do it. Um, in this case, the uh, little gate was welded closed. You know, Jay did it, whatever, no idea. Welded closed. So we sat out there for the two and a half or whatever, two, two, two hours and 45 minutes, I think. And all of our food spoiled. And we're hotter than hell, just dripping with sweat. But we didn't have any friends anywhere around there that we could take our groceries to. Because we don't know, maybe in 20 seconds, it's going to, power's going to go clickety and, and the gate's going to open. You know, you don't know. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. By the time you finally figure out it ain't ever going to open, you know, all your food's bad. So we lost, uh, I don't know. 100 or $200 in perishable food. And uh, finally, the power did come back on, opened the gate, went in, threw all the food away, ex except for the non-perishable stuff. And uh, I, I, had a, I had a lot of tools from leftover from the rebuilding of the shop house. And I had a big old grinder. I went out and grinded ground all the weld off of this little cat door and uh, oiled up the hinges. Everything's fine. Opens easy. Repainted it. Uh, got a little padlock for it. A little combination lock. Uh, you know, just like brand new, just like it was supposed to be. Okay. Done deal, right? So now if the power's out, when we can home, come home, we can get in, right? Okay, so it was uh, probably two weeks later, came home, bunch of groceries. And uh, power was out, couldn't get in. And I thought, oh, you smart, smart boy, you've taken care of this. I just didn't, even, didn't swear, nothing, you know, no big deal. You just get off the, the bike and you walk over there and you open the, the little padlock thing and you open the little cat door thing and you lay on your back and you stick your arm all the way through there and you get the little key off of those hanging off of the motor and I did all that and then suddenly I realized there's no way on earth that even an octopus could reach the place where that little key had to go into the motor to disengage it. This was the wrong motor for this installation. This was 180 degrees reversed motor. 
So we lost all our groceries again. And when we finally did get in, I called the agent and said, hey, you know, being locked out, it's not going to work. For some reason, somebody put the, the wrong motor in here and there's no way to, to reach it, to, to disengage it. Okay, we'll call Jay. So they called Jay. And Jay called back. And he said, well, you know, that was a really good deal on that motor. That guy gave me a really good deal, you know. Isn't there some way we can make that work? I said, okay, Jay, you tell me, you tell me how, how we're going to do that. His first suggestion was for us, not him, for us to buy a diesel gin set and put it outside the gate and hook it up to the gate motor. And then when the power is out, we could start that diesel generator and power that gate. And he had, he had three or four equally brainiac suggestions like that. I, I just want to choke him. just want to fucking throttle this stupid son of a bitch. And I said, Jay, don't you think it would be a little better deal? You call the guy who sold you that motor. You tell him it's the wrong goddamn motor. And he'd swap it for the one that is reversed. Okay, maybe you'll have to pay a little bit to do that. But you aren't going to pay anything near what you would pay to mount a diesel generator outside that gate. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. I, I, don't, I don't think I'd very, get a very good deal on trading in that motor, you know. And I said, do you fix it? Fix it or we're out. We're done. Because this is, this, this, this is, I had a list of probably, I don't know, 40, 50 things we had fixed. Um, and there was no end in sight, just every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Just, just, Jay had gotten this house at an incredible discount because it came from a Thai guy who had, run out of money. He hadn't been able to fix anything for like the previous 10 years. And so he didn't. So every time something broke, he just ignored it. Some wonder he had any goddamn electricity in the, left in there at all. Um, and Jay's response was, well, okay then, but you're losing all of your deposit. And that was, uh, that was huge. That was, uh, huge. Um, I, at that point, I went berserk. It was all I could do to keep from going to his house and just killing him with my bare hands, go to prison. Don't care. He worth it. I'd be doing society a really, really big favor. So we went and got an attorney instead. And the attorney told us what to do. Um, it turned out that the contract that they had had a sign was a completely patently, blatantly illegal contract. And Thailand was just then, they had just started a, a new program um, 
cracking down on illegal contracts because they were tired of this shit from Phalanx. Now, Phalanx, a lot of them go into business in Thailand or some other Southeast Asian country because in many, 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 many cases, maybe the majority of cases, they got run out of wherever the fuck they were in, in some Western country. I'm pretty sure Jay got run out of New York City for just being a dishonest, thieving fucking piece of shit. Don't worry, I name him in the website. Uh... So we put pressure on the uh, on Jay and the, and the agent, and they agreed in writing to let us stay there, and all we would lose would be the one month of deposit. Um, they didn't have any choice. We had them by the balls. We just had them by the balls. Um, we figured, okay, they're going to keep that last month of, de of deposit. And so we will handle that by not paying any utilities bills at all. Not electric, not anything. Um, and we'll take what we want. And that's what we did. It still turned out that they owed us, even after all that, they still owed us, I don't know, some thousand bucks or something like that. Um, and we just ate that, except that we cost them many, many times that amount with the website. So this is just a summary, just a glossing over of this particular last problem with Jay. Uh, this probably is like 10% of all the trouble we had with him. And it's probably 30% of all the trouble we had with all other rentals or, or that I had with all other rentals in regardless of country, Laos, Cambodia. Uh, I had some, a few, a very few deals that just went off as scheduled, you know, as planned per the contract, per the agreement. I had a few of those. How many? What percentage? Um, 25%. The rest of them were a fucking in one way or the other. And I canvassed hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, how have, how's, how has, what's, what's your experience been like with, uh, with any realtors or agents, you know, whether Thai or Cambodian or Vietnamese or whatever, or Falang or, you know, what's been your experience? And theirs ran about the same as mine. About 25% turned out to be just straight up deals, you know, Maybe tiny little squabble over some stupid little thing, but basically straight up deals. And all the rest, 75%, were a royal fucking of one type or another. Uh, do some kind of a Google like uh, Bangkok rental um, deposit not refunded or something like that. Uh, Bangkok is where you're going to find the most of those cases. Do some kind of a string like that. You'll find no shortage whatsoever. But you're only going to find reports from guys who have left Thailand. 
because if they're still there, they cannot report that. Thai law is such that you cannot leave any kind of a bad review against anybody. Not only can you be sued, they will win because the law says, quote, the truth is not a factor. It says that. Look it up. Google it. <laughs> and the other side of it is that not only will you be sued and you will lose, but you will also go to jail because it's also a criminal offense. So if somebody walks up to you on the street, they got a knife, they got a gun, and they stick one of those things in your ribs and they say, give me your money or I'll kill you. And you give me your money, you watch, and you're whatever, girlfriend, you know, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> if you really want to punish them, you know, give me your girlfriend. Uh, and they take all that stuff and they run away. Okay. There's four security cameras that have caught that. You got 19 witnesses that saw it. Uh, cops come. They believe everybody. They catch the bad guy. Get your stuff back. He goes to jail. You can't report it. Because that is their interpretation of defamation. And it's a crime. Now you think about that one really hard because that was one of the biggest things I struggled with in Thailand. Uh, most of the countries are, are like that a little bit. They never heard of anything called a First Amendment. That's what, what is that thing? Well, it doesn't make any sense. What, what do you mean? Okay, First Amendment. That's that's a fart in the wind. Um, That was a big struggle for me to, to try to keep my mouth shut. But I still made the websites on all these people who fucked me. And I went ahead and uploaded them to various servers, but there were no incoming links to them. So they just sat there and nobody could see them. Sometimes I would send the URL to the person who had stolen from me, like I did with this agent and with Jay. Um, and maybe they ran around to attorneys and the police and said, oh, this guy said this, this guy said that, you know, and nobody ever got a hold of me about it. But all I would have had to say was, well, who can see it? Nobody can. It's not public. Only they can see it. And, and it would have stopped right there until such a time as I made an incoming link to it and made it public, which is what I did the day I left. Now, other countries, uh, most of them are not that crazy. Philippines is about halfway to that level of craziness about defamation. Um, Thailand is over the top. Just over the top. So, again, my advice is to, if you're going to go to Thailand, especially any of these countries, any, I don't care. Get yourself an abode 
of some type or another. Have an attorney check your contract. Um, if you're going in a condo, you go up and down the hall, you knock on the doors with your Thai translator and you say, hey, you ever have any trouble in here? Well, they're probably not going to say anything anyway, but sometimes they will. They say, yeah, this guy down the hall, he's a fucking drunk. He's just loud all the time. You know, you do it like that. You try to go on three-month uh, leases. You try. God, they hate that. Oh, God, they hate that. They want to lock you in as long as they can. They'll try to get you in even two or three years. Uh, try really, really hard, even if you got to pay extra, try really hard to go three months, six months. God, tops, really. None of this one-year, two-year bullshit. If you've been there for a while, you know, a couple of renewals, and the place is okay, and the, and the broken stuff is getting fixed and stuff like that, well, then you think about a year, two years, whatever you think about it. Um, none of this first and last and two months deposit. Fuck that shit. That's, that's just a money grab. That's just a goddamn scam. And they're all trying to do it now. Um, once they started doing that, with the exception of this house of Jay's, I just told them, no, we're done. No, we're not going to, not going to do it. And either I walked away or they said, well, okay, okay, okay. Your terms are okay. Like that. There's no such thing as a credit check that I know of. I don't, I don't think there's any way to do it. The banks can do it kind of, sort of, in a crappy way. When I had rentals, that's the first thing I did. I did a credit check. Uh, and that told the story pretty much every time. But American banking is, you know, it's, it works. It's, well, no, it doesn't work. It's fucked up. But that end of it works really well. For like, I was like nine bucks or something, you know, you make them pay the nine bucks, you do a credit check. If it comes back shit, sorry, you're done. No, no, I'm not going to rent to you. Uh, I found that my judge of character was pretty bad. Uh, quite a few times I would get a, a rental applicant and I would think, oh my God, they, these are great people. Oh, I don't even need to do this credit check. Do I? No, these are wonderful folks. Uh, in the early days, I would just say, well, I don't need a credit check. It's okay. Well, I had one of those for a really nice permanent uh, mobile home uh, near a place I had built a little airport in Idaho. And they didn't even pay the first month. And I went to talk to them. Whole thing gone. They had stolen the entire trailer. And I had uh, I had the airport at the time. I put a reward for anybody flying around this area. You see, this is what it looks like. You see that son bitch. You tell me, you get this reward. And they, God, I, I thought, well, that's a long shot. Uh, and it was like two weeks later. Somebody found it. They said, yeah, it's like five miles out in the freaking woods. I said, how the, how the hell did you ever spot that? You know, well, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you know. <laughs> but it was the one. And we went out there and got the cops on them. And eventually got, got compensated for all that shit. But, um, and then I had other cases where I had the sleaziest, slimiest, People, miscreants, you know, showing up to want to rent my place. Um, and I just say, no, 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 sorry, not going to work out. And, and they say, please, please run our credit. Please run our credit. You know, you want nine bucks? We'll give you 20 bucks. Run the credit. I said, oh, whatever. Okay, do it. And I did it. And they came back just golden, just freaking golden. 
uh, I actually sold a couple of houses to people who, who that exact scenario happened. And they paid everything exactly on time, and they were perfect, and they never complained, and they were just perfect people. And that showed me, you know, about my my judgment of character, which probably tells me why I'm single. And the girls are going, yeah, 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 you be a idiot. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I be a idiot. <laughs> it's funny because the last few nights I've been scrounging for some kind of background images for these podcasts and, and I've been going, going through this long, 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 long folder of ex-girlfriends. I, I don't know how many are in that folder, probably 150. The last episode, let's see, this is 23. So on 22, I posted a few pics of some of them. This one, I suppose I'll do the same thing, but it, but it's, it's really tedious to post those. I'm not going to do very many of them. I don't like doing it. But, uh, but anyway, the whole point is I've been looking through those as I've been doing this and, and I'm thinking, oh my God. Oh my God, I remember her. Oh God, you're a fool. You're a stupid fool. Why did you let her get away? Well, in some cases, you know, 60 seconds later, I, I'm thinking, oh, I remember. Oh yeah, I, I remember now. And she was this and she was that. Oh yeah, that was a good decision. I dodged the bullet on that one. But in a few of them, and a hand, maybe maybe a handful or two of them, maybe two handfuls of them. I can remember the relationships very well, and I remember ending them for the dumbest, stupidest reasons on the face of this earth. And you know that was a tiny little love tap there that I just did a minute ago. No, I I, I deserve to have that done with ping pong paddles. You know, if you're a girl and you've been watching these tapes. And you hate my guts because of this, because of me dumping girls. And you got five other girlfriends. You come to whatever country I'm in, I'll buy each one of you a ping pong paddle and some, and some handcuffs. You handcuff me to a pole outside and you beat me senseless with those ping pong paddles because I deserve every stinking whack. I'm first to admit it. A couple of them, I remember going through those pictures. They just about make me cry because I, I had something, and I, I think, I think they were good girls. And I ended it for the stupidest of reasons. So, anyway, whatever. See, it always comes back to girls. Always does. Okay, so we've given you kind of an overview of uh, renting in Southeast Asia. All the countries are just as bad. Thailand is, is right up there at the top. Bangkok is right up there at the top of Thailand. Uh, I've been in Philippines for a while, getting ready to leave. Um, and I've gotten screwed here twice already. Well, I've only had two places. Screwed both times. Screwed. Pretty well screwed. I don't know if there's any point in going through it. The, the, the second one, I, I <laughs> stupid, dumb piece of shit that I am, I got an agent. I got the agent because she was a friend of the owner. And I thought, oh, well, okay, that's okay. that gives her some cred, you know. Okay. An agent took uh, my rent money and deposit 
and they took a whole bunch of money for to install the internet and a whole bunch of money for my key card, stuff like that. And the money for the rent did get passed over to the owner only because the owner happened to be sitting there when I gave it to the agent. And the owner is like, right there, you know, okay, okay, gimme, 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 gimme. Um, all the other money that the agent was supposed to use for, for my internet and my key card and all this other stuff, um, she left town. She just, she just bolted, took all the money. Um, as it so happened, she didn't know this. As we were sitting somewhere having some meeting over documents, God, there was a thousand documents. Jesus. But we were sitting there and she had her passport out for some reason, I guess to copy the number off of it to do something. I don't even know what. And I had my, my phone in my hand and I've got an S23 with a really, really good telephoto. It'll, it'll go uh, 10 time, 10 power um, optical and 100 power <laughs> digital, which is rather stupid, but um, 10 really, really clear 10 X 10 power optical. And I sat there and I just eased it over. Her passport was there. Click. And I got it. Okay. So I had a picture of her passport. I made a website detailing all the money she had stolen and all shit. Only, it only takes, a, you know, half hour to make a website. And she had some accounts that she had been using to, to do this deal. And she had long since stopped answering them. She wouldn't reply to the owner. She wouldn't reply to me. She wouldn't answer her phone, nothing. She'd just gone with the money. Uh, it was about, a, let's see, about a month wages. She just took it. Uh, the land, the owner had paid her for some services and she just took that money too. Just gone, 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 gone. God damn. Um, so I made this website. And I took the URL, the link to it. It was public. I decided I didn't care. I just made it public. And I sent her the link. She said, here you go. Enjoy for the rest of your life, bitch. And uh, next week on Monday, I'm going to the police because I got enough on you. Put you in jail. And like 10 minutes before I was due to arrive at the uh, at the police station, uh, I got a message saying that she had dropped off the cash at this at the building. Uh, that's just barely the tip of the iceberg with regard to the shit that she did. So renting anything in any Southeast Asian country is just going to be a shitstorm. It's just going to be that. I I do know a few guys who retired and retired really well. And they simply went to Thailand or some other country and they bought, didn't rent. No, no, no. They bought, they stayed in a hotel. They bought, they found a reputable realtor. And that's hard. That's really hard. But they did it and they bought a nice home, not a condo, not, not a condo with a bunch of drunken neighbors and sex pats and shit like that. They bought a nice home, end of a street. Nice neighborhood, hired private security, 
they probably had three attorneys on board to get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and all the weirdo contracts and shit like that. And they lived out happy, happy years. Now they still had the problem with, you know, failing everything, you know, failing wiring and failing piping and failing everything and bullshit and, uh, they still had to go through all that. There's no escaping that. But all the other shit, they largely escaped it. The biggest problems that most of them reported were noise from neighbors. Usually chickens, dogs come in second. Usually chickens. And we've gone through that before, you know, that the nationals, they don't hear chickens because they were the first thing they heard when they were born, you know, and they just, after about the third crow, they're like, oh, that doesn't matter. That, has, that doesn't mean anything. And they just turned it off. They turned off that circuit in the brain. They don't hear chickens anymore. So if you complain about chickens, they, they, they're, they're totally clueless because they don't hear them. And they largely don't hear the dogs either. So, but a few of those guys have had, you know, they weren't moving around. They got to the country. They, they had one home. And they just stayed there and they're happy. And they don't have girlfriends. That makes them far and vastly happier. <laughs> I'm sorry, it does. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. I was out today, I went out to eat, walk around. And I got hit on probably not too much today. It was a rainy, nasty, slow Sunday. Uh, probably got hit on three times in the space of yeah, three hours. And I didn't even smile back. I just, because that circuit, circuit is forged in my brain now and it will be forever and ever, or probably. Uh, let's see. So here you got, you got pretty girl smiling. She looks really true blue. She's polite. She's modest. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then right over here, straight line. You got scamming, bullshit, sleeping with your friends, you know, and now that's a straight line for me, straight line. That's the shortest line between those two points now for me. Uh, now, we've talked about this before too, and I, and I, we talked about the difference of between Thai girls and Thai girls, Philippines girls. And I, and I, I tried to do a stupid, graph thing and I screwed it up. Okay, just, you know, take that out of your brain, throw it away. It didn't work. I did it wrong. <laughs> um, what I was trying to say was that in Thailand, you got a graph. Here's the bad girls down here at the bottom of the graph. Okay, there's data point number one. Um, And it's a straight line up to the good girls, like that straight line. So along that line, you can put a point anywhere you want. It's going to be, you know, pretty evenly incremented bad. A little better, 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 all the way up till you get to a good girl. And that means when you get to the good girls, there's hardly any good girls. You know, you only got one or two data points up there at the top that represent the good girls. The rest of them are all kind of semi-shit. Now, 
in the Philippines, you've got, you start out with a bad girl single data point down here. And you got the good girl data point up here. Okay. You've got, you don't have, you don't have that nice straight line in the graph. You've got bad, 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 really freaking bad, scammer, thief, slut, prostitute, any bad thing you want. And then right there at the end, when there's hardly any girls left, the graph goes straight up to the good girls. And you might have three or four or five or six data points up there representing the good girls, not one, like in Thailand. <laughs> so the bad girls in Thailand are worse. Well, kind of. Visualize the graph. God dang it. <laughs> Jesus. The whole point is that in the Philippines, yeah, there's a shitload of bad girls. Really, 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 really bad ones. There's not much in between in the Philippines between the bad ones and the good ones. You know, there's not much in between. So, you know, there's not a lot in there. It's like, good ones. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can follow this or not. Um, your chances of finding a good, loyal, helpful, decent, sober, non-druggy, girl in the Philippines are far higher than they are in any other country in Southeast Asia. Uh, I can't find one because I gave up looking. I don't have any more patience to, I don't have any more try left in me. I just don't care. I just stay alone. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to go through any any more horrendous disappointment. I can't see myself trying anymore. Thailand and all of Southeast Asia just ruined me. If I would have come to, when I was on the plane going to Thailand, I got seated next to a lovely Filipino girl and she did everything she could do for the 13 stinking hours to talk to me. And my gut instinct was that she was really a keeper. She was a nice, nice, lovely girl. Um, but I wasn't interested because I wanted high adventure. Philippines wasn't exotic enough for me. I wanted as exotic as it gets, you know, back streets of Saigon, shit like that. That's what I wanted. I wanted crazy shit. I was not ready to settle down with a nice girl in the Philippines. You know, I, I, I thought I was. That's what I thought I was looking for. But I had to go through all this other goddamn shit first, I guess, to get to the point where I was ready. And I wish I, wish I knew who she was, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And lots of guys. Lots of guys, lots of Westerners, phalanx. They, before they're, you know, like a freaking year, six months or a year before they're even going to come down to Southeast Asia, they get on the dating sites 
And um, apparently, a few of them find one that turns out to be kind of sort of quasi-good. I don't know how the hell they do it, because I never found one. But a very few guys do that. Okay, so they go along. Girls don't ask them for money. First time they do, you block them. If you want to offer money, that's a different thing. It's up to you. It's your call. If they ask you for money, you block them every time. Because they're asking a hundred other guys every week. Guaranteed. Even the Filipinos. Well, kind of especially the Filipinos. Um, anyway, the, one, the, the very few that find a good one like that, they show up here. She meets them at the airport. They hang around for a few months, go hang with the family. After three to six months, maybe a year, the guy is sure. You got to be careful because the girls are sure in 10 minutes. And that's partly because they're desperate. That's also partly because that's just the way their minds work. Survival is not nearly as guaranteed here as it is in, in the West. So, if you're out in a war zone, active war zone, with a girl, uh, bonds are going to form far quicker and maybe be far more lasting than if you just met for church picnics in Ohio, you know. So some of those guys come down here and their and their 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 lives are just wired. They're set. They get they end up getting married. They end up staying happily married. I told you that I used to canvas guys all the time. I never stopped. In Thailand and other countries, are you happy with your wife, with your girlfriend? Do you know anybody who's happy with their wife, with a girlfriend? And it was almost totally no. 90, 99%, I would say, 99%. No, not happy. No, it's not working out. They don't know what to do. Because they've been through the same shit that I went through and they don't want to go looking again. But I do the same canvassing in the Philippines. What percentage say they're really quite happy? The ones that talk to me, I would say. The ones who've been, who've been together for a long time or, or married. This is going to shock you. I would say 70%, far higher than in the West. I mean, astronomically higher than in all of other, all the rest of Southeast Asia, but higher than in the West, I think. I never asked anybody in the West because I didn't care. <laughs> um, the thing about the Philippines is that there's a, there's a bunch of really crazy shit here. And we're going to go through that in some detail. Uh, it's not nearly as exotic as the rest of Southeast Asia. You know, you get down some of the outback of Cambodia. Oh, my God. There, there, there's exotic stuff in the Philippines. You know, it's not... It's not Arvada, Colorado, for God's sake, you know. But there are, there are some interesting, fascinating, kind of sort of exotic things here. 
there's technically much more English in the Philippines than any other country except Singapore. Yeah, Hong Kong wasn't all that good for English. Um, Myanmar, forget it. Lao, forget it. <laughs> you know. Thailand is a little bit English. In, in the tourist towns, there's more English than in Bangkok. Um, technically, there's a lot of English in the Philippines, but it's not useful English because they were taught English in school. Yeah, they know the words. They can read and write English pretty well, but they cannot speak it. They can understand it fairly well, but they cannot speak it because they were only taught pronunciation by a Filipino teacher who can't pronounce their words either. So the, the, the mispronunciation and the bad accent just gets passed, 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 passed. I, shit. I eat out most meals, probably, probably two, probably average two times a day. Um, here's how it goes. I go to a restaurant, look at the menu, decide what I want. And I say, I, I don't try to say it anymore. Whatever the dish is, I don't say, I don't say it. Sometimes I'll say Big Mac, you know. <laughs> um, and they mostly will understand that. Well, they'll un understand if you point it to it on the menu. They will only mostly understand Big Mac. I would say, yeah, I know, 80, 90% of the time they get, they get the Big Mac thing. And then instantly they will rattle back something. And it could be, do you want fries with that? Do you want a drink with that? Do you want a la carte? Do you want this for dining? But you will have absolutely no clue what they're saying. No clue. And you'll say, I'm sorry. Again, again, slowly, slowly. And they're just, blah, blah, blah. And, you, and you say, I'm sorry. I, I'm going through my database here trying to figure out what you might have said, but Nothing's coming up. You know, I, I don't know what you're saying. I don't get one word of what you just said. Okay. Would you like to try it again? Okay. Sometimes what I do is I just say, okay, please, please, please don't talk. Don't talk. Just listen. Just, just stop. Listen. I want Big Mac. I want apple pie. <laughs> you know, I want like that. No, don't talk. Don't talk. And... I don't want the fries, and I want the drink, and I'll say, I, I want one drink, I want one apple pie, I want one, you know, like that, uh, and I will say, this is for dine-in, for here, I want to eat here, this is for dine-in, I'll, I'll find about three different ways to say it, and they usually get it, and I say, okay, thank you very much, and I step back, uh, but in times when I'm losing my patience and they start into that crap where they're, they're just saying some bullshit. You got no clue what they're talking about. And you've got the menu out there and you say, look, I want, I want this. I want this. I want this pizza right here. Look, you see the picture? Okay, I want small or I want, excuse me, large, whatever. I want this thing. And they're blah, 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 blah. And, you, and you're like, no, 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 please. I don't know what you say. Please don't talk. I don't want another thing. I don't want another thing. I only want this. 
And after about five times of that, I just get up and leave. Because they won't process the order. They won't go beyond that point. They're asking me something, but I have no clue what it is. No clue. When I've had girlfriends here, I said, you know, can you translate, please? And and of course, that, then it's a snap. They translate. But uh, English is not nearly what it's made out to be here. You want a girlfriend who speaks some English, go hang outside the call centers. Wait for the lunch break. Hang out. Find out where they're eating. Go sit there. Wait for them to sit down. Just sit kind of sort of around you. You know, you'd be a little bit of a leper. But um, they'll have some English. It won't be very good. But So if English is important to you, and, and you will discover that it's more important to you than you think. You know, some guys are like, oh, I don't care if we can understand each other at all. We just have sex all day, you know. We don't need to talk. And Okay. Yeah, that works really good for about three days. The voice of experience. And then you want to talk about something. Do you want to go here to eat? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? You know. Uh, so language is, is more important than you think. Okay, so we've covered rentals. I think basically I, I'm, I'll get asked questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? Um, and I'll answer those as they come up. And I'll probably think of other things that I'll, I'll just toss in there, you know, just to confuse you. I don't know how many more of these we got left. I would say maybe five before I have run out of, you know, material. And then I either got to think stuff up or stop. <laughs> so, you know, upper 20s probably, episodes, something like that, 27 maybe like that. All right. Well, I hope you learned stuff. Got any questions? Hit us on, on the, well, God, it's not Twitter anymore. I love that stupid little bird. Stupid little bird. What the hell? I killed him. I killed the fucking bird. No, I mean, really, he's dead. Now it's called XXX or something. Twitter's name has changed. It's not Twitter anymore. It's XXX or some stupid fucking... I don't even know what... They, they just got a bunch of big X's everywhere. Look, there's just big X's. What the hell Elon's thinking of? Really? I don't understand that guy at all. Well, I mean, he's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. So, you know, I guess he's right. Right? I don't know. I missed the bird. What the hell? Okay, whatever. <laughs> We're done for now. Thank you very much, and uh, good evening, and good night. Oops. Oops, where are you?